the most entertaining talk anywhere. Stay tuned to LA Talk Radio, your real talk station, your real 24 hours of commercial free programming. Welcome, everybody, to the annual Best of the Green Room, where I'm going to be counting down, or rather uh, playing some of the some of the best clips from the show. It's been a great year of shows. Really enjoyed doing them, and I, I really appreciate you guys' support. I feel like we're, we're building on something. We're, uh, 2011, I feel like it's the year it's going to really break through for the Green Room. And for you, the uh, Green Machines out there, enjoying your Green Room podcast. So many great moments to choose from, but... Being the host, that's part of my job, editing. Got to find the best clips that sum up the year. Well, I think, uh, I think I'd like to start off with this first clip. This is uh, comedian Adam Jacobs coming in and describing how he got married in Las Vegas. So let's take a listen. Is I, I put a bunch of money on in roulette. I put like 30 bucks on one number, and I was like, if this hits, I'll marry you. Like, there's, that's one in 35. One in 35. That's a safe bet. Do you know what I mean? I was like, it'll hit. And, like, I guess the dealer heard me say this. Oh, okay. So it spins, and it was it was my number, 11. Boom, it hits 11. And I'm like, I was in shock. <laughs> She's freaking out. The Lucky 11, yeah. America, America, every, America. Everyone around me is freaking out. Uh, like, they go crazy. And the, and the dealer's like, are you going to do it? And I was like, do what? And and, she, and he's like, marry you. You said you're going to marry And I was like, oh, my God. Like, And, of course, in my substance, plus the guy's handing me, like, thousands of dollars in chips. I'm like, let's do it. Let's okay, so, do it. Okay, so, all right, you're intoxicated. You even try to sleep it off a little bit. But you instead of doing that, you go back. You keep partying. You get to the uh, – the court at eight o'clock in the morning. Was it actually even a chapel at all? Or you, no, no, no. It was no. just a walk so, up. So we walk up and we get the the license, and then that, we take that license to a chapel. Oh, okay. So, so you have to get the the license, which is like in downtown uh, yeah, Las downtown Vegas. Yeah, downtown Las Vegas, okay. skeezy part of town, and we walk across the street to the Las Vegas Vegas Wedding Chapel. That's nice. what it's called, the straight up Las Vegas Wedding Chapel. It's like in the movie Hangover, man. It really was. We walk in, and the, and this this chick's like, "Hi, I'm your wedding planner." I'm like, "Really, bitch." <laughs> What? That's the irony plan. of the wedding planner at the walk-up wedding <laughs> chapel. Clearly, we're not planning. <laughs> she was so bad. She's like, "What did they? Did they pitch like different options?" Yeah, they to pitched you? all these expensive-ass options, and I was like, "Can we just get married? <laughs> no pictures, no like, video, no, no pictures, no like chapel." Like she's like, "Yeah, well, you can stand in front of this waterfall. You know how they have those like portable waterfalls? That you, like plug in. Yeah, it's like one of those type of things." With, like, what was like the high roller package? Because that's, oh, they had, that's almost funnier that the person like. Has the last minute wedding at the very last second, but still splurges yeah, on the big package. I mean, they had tuxes and dresses you could rent, like white dresses. For so what'd women. you get married in? What were you wearing? I was actually wearing this exact shirt. <laughs> this He's wearing green, a, uh, a green, green plaid white button up, like short flannel. sleeve. Um, sh- I-, I was wearing shorts because I was in Vegas. Right, it's hot. And like um, a Redskins baseball cap. I took the the, the hat off for the wedding. Like, okay, I'm a well, you're a classy guy. You know. And she was, and my ex was wearing like a t-shirt and some shorts and shoes. Okay, so you get in there, you plan on not planning. They take a picture or whatever, and then do you walk down an aisle? Is there's, there music? There's, there's no aisle. We literally stood in front of this like, gay waterfall with like other people. This is like in the the, the lobby of the wedding place. So other people were like checking in, like yeah, so I have arrangement. And the lady's like reading us our vows, and I was like, is this happening right now? I'm still fucking gone. And we go, we, we get married, we 
we leave the place. Like it took the marriage, everything took ten minutes. We were there for a half an hour. Like the marriage took ten minutes at the most. We signed our stuff, got a copy of it, blah blah blah, paid up, walked out, sat in the car for about a half an hour, and did not speak to each other. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at her. She looked at me. We we're both like, what the F did we just do? Adam ends the segment by saying, what the F did we just do? I think Adam had an idea what he did. Hey, worst case scenario, he's still married to a hot chick. So I don't think Adam Adam was that bummed out. And I, I feel like he had kind of an idea of what was going on. But, but still a great story about getting married on a whim to a girl you met in Las Vegas. Speaking of uh, top-heavy celebrities, not everyone is um, – given the gift by God of having a large chest like Adam Jacobs. Some some require the gift from the plastic surgeon. And this is uh, Wow, also known as Jenny Farley from the Jersey Shore, describing how she got her large chest. How did you get, like, such beautiful, natural-looking breasts? Oh, yeah, so natural. <laughs> what do you mean? A doctor. What? They're fake? Yeah, they... Uh... <laughs> She in an article here that she said I'm um, shattered. Yeah, sorry, you you wrecked Cornell's life, but I mean they look real, so that's all that matters. Now you said you gave you <laughs> Even said though he's on the radio, he's <laughs> physically acting out. Up he looks despondent. Up. I'm kind of worried. Just, no, so you you decided uh, what what brought about that change? You're 20 years old. What what makes you decide like all right, this is the time for the breast augmentation? You just lost a fan. <laughs> No idea. I don't know. I think a couple of my girlfriends are getting them. Um, I think I wanted just like uh, like a new type of me when I moved down to New York. It was like my own present for myself when I was turning 21. Well, that wasn't the only thing we learned about JWoww in the exclusive Green Room interview that was also picked up by Radar Online. We also learned a little bit about her ethnicity. Whatever. Now, uh, the term Guidette, I, you've been getting a lot of slack, or the show has been getting criticism. Uh, you know, they see it as, oh, this is, a, this is derogatory to Italian people. This is, this is epitome of a racial slur. Is, that, is the Guido Guidette, is that like the N-word? You can use that because you're Italian? Or do you find, no, and do I'm you not even that? Italian. You're not even Italian. A, not even Italian. It's a lifestyle that, um, you know, me and thousands of other people choose. It's a, it's a lifestyle on the East Coast that, you know, we're proud of. We only get three months of summer, and then we just try and live it up. And it's very stereotypical, but, um, you know, we're all proud of it. I'm not Italian. I'm Spanish and Irish. You are. And you're... I take pride. Yeah. Well, you're so... <laughs> three of us on the show are Italian. Wow. Jesus full Italian. Christ. And a Jersey Shore interview would not be complete without a little bit more information about what kind of men Wow. Is into. Tom's a huge fan of that, though. That's actually pretty disgusting that you just mentioned that. The, your your boyfriend's a huge World of Warcraft fan. <laughs> yeah. oh, God damn it! You're telling me there's some World of Warcraft nerd that gets the hook up with JWoww? There is no. Yeah, he used to be no a huge one. He used to be prior to me a nerd <laughs> at the World of Warcraft. Uh, you're we just... don't talk about that inside the house. <laughs> so wait, that's the one thing you won't discuss is World of Warcraft experience. No problem talking about You know about the worst part is, I'm really good at video games, but dating a gamer makes me <laughs> kind of angry because I can no longer play them because I get beat before the game even starts. It's, like, disgusting. And speaking of disgusting, I was disgusted when I learned that our president, our chief in command, Barack Obama, was not only doing daytime television, but The View. Take a listen. Are you card? Like you just give me your okay, first impressions, okay? Let's go. Do you know that Lindsay Lohan is in jail? 
<laughs> what a joke! Uh, imagine, imagine uh, as an entertainer, we're all we're uh, <laughs> Logan. I was, just, okay, I was actually okay with him being on the view until I just Logan just there. spiked yeah, his pen in disgust. But imagine, imagine the audience so easy that you you asking someone else. So, uh, do you know if uh, Lindsay Lohan is in magic? God busting like ah! <laughs> what? what were they laughing at? What's like? What's the funny part there? I guess that Barack Obama would even know who Lindsay Lohan is. Come of on. course he does. The guy's on fucking Facebook. Lindsay Lohan is in jail. <laughs> I actually know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, actually, I did. Okay. Um, does Mel Gibson need anger management? <laughs> I I. I... <laughs> Funny. How is asking if Mel Gibson needs anger management funny? You're talking about a guy who the allegations against him are very serious. <laughs> that he's coming out like it's coming. He's racist. He's violent towards his his girlfriend and his baby. And they're like, well, what do you think about Mel Gibson? Oh, <laughs> it's hilarious. And it's and funny. I guess I guess why Barack isn't isn't giving an opinion is that um is that. You know, he doesn't want to give an opinion because then it's like, oh, what is Barack Obama commenting on uh, blah, blah, blah? What does he care about Mel Gibson? Why is he getting involved? Right. He doesn't want to say, yeah, yeah, obviously the guy needs anger management if he's been accused of hitting his girlfriend or whatever while she was holding her baby. I think it's it, – why do you ask this rhetorical question? Yeah, Afghanistan question. <laughs> no, I, look, I, I, have, uh, I, haven't, uh, I haven't seen a Mel Gibson movie in a while, so. Yeah, so really, more- now that doesn't get a laugh. That was kind of funny. That's kind of funny. That's kind of saying like he's been an asshole for a while. I haven't seen his. That's kind of like a subtle jab at him. Woo! You can just hear the joke going over the views audience. Like, <laughs> yeah. woo! Woo! Is there? Is there? Is someone turn on, on the? I don't. If you Do can you make a up? more clear declaration, we'd feel more comfortable laughing at that. Uh, please. Uh, we need to have the applause light flicked on and off repeatedly for us to get stuff. <laughs> Someone turn on the AC. No, that's just a joke going over the views audience. Better than any movie he ever made. Yeah. Oh, please. Should Snooki run as mayor of Wazilla? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta admit, I don't know who Snooki is. No. Yeah. Proud to be an American right that's there. I am proud to be an American, and I'm also proud to have this next man as my loyal sidekick. This is Logan Lystico cutting loose, singing some Lincoln Park. Enjoy. I like it. It's a slow build, guys. It's a slow build. Hang in there. <laughs> Still at ninety percent. Above ninety percent. This was about the time Simon started giving me the evil Shut eye. Wait, oh, we gotta keep playing this. Listen to Logan. I love how he goes so angry right back. Shut up! Shut up! Oh man, this is the greatest audio of all time. Shut up! Shut up! This next guest really broke things wide open when she revealed that she actually uh, likes to make sex tapes with her boyfriend, and they don't always go as planned. 
listen to comedian Shannon Hatch. But there there have been things like I remember um, it was like a year or two ago. He um, he wanted to make like a sex tape or whatever. And he even like begging for like months, like, let's film it. Let's film it. So finally, I like cave in this one day and like, you know, got every like dressed up, like had it all. Nice. And for whatever reason. And this has never happened in the history of our relationship. He couldn't get a boner. <laughs> Couldn't. Oh man, literal so, stage. There fright. is a tape out there that exists of him like just keep sucking, just keep sucking it, just keep sucking it, and oh, me like, man. dude, it's not working, and like, and like we got in a fight, like it turned into a really like, I mean, oh, I think I was crying, fight. a naked fight. Awesome. I like it could, it's total, it should be on YouTube. It's it, like it's it's got to be one of the funniest things, and it exists. Right, I never right, taped so, over it. Okay, now I gotta hear. So it. I tried to I tried to talk about it on stage, and I could tell it was it was one of those emasculating like I'll never do oh, that yeah. again. So that's okay. I, I stepped over the line. There. All right. So, but re- okay. Oh man. All right. So there's so many <laughs> angles about this. Okay. So you decide to make a sex tape. Uh, all right. Now, first off, how, how do you plan it out? What's the original scenario for the tape? Um. See, this one we did a, a long time ago. Since then, we've done a few more that have worked uh, oh, okay. a little better. But uh, yeah, I think I'm sure it was sort of like a role play ish kind of thing. Um. I don't know. I don't. Re- I really don't even. Re- I haven't watched the video in a while, so I don't remember. <laughs> I, ju- I, I just remember really like putting myself together, spending like Man, it was re- all <laughs> taken care of. Perf- you know, hair blown out, like everything looked great, and um, and he could not couldn't now, for the life just, of him. Just it, I know he was nervous about the camera. He will never admit it. He will never admit that that's the reason. Like, well, why not? Yeah, I mean that's probably what it is. Because I think because be. he's like an actor and performer, so it sounds even worse to think that he was like nervous being in front of a camera. But it's like a double layer of being embarrassed. Exactly. Like now like, the you're embarrassed thing, for your and profession then... and embarrassed in your manhood. Yeah, that's got to be tough. Making it harder, probably. Now, so oh yeah, the, the yeah. successful ones. <laughs> how how do you set it up production wise? Do you just set up a camera on a tripod? Yes. Is there some POV stuff? How does it work? Yeah, we did some POV stuff. I mean, not that day, obviously. Not not much got done. Um, <laughs> feelings were hurt, and it took him like a year to finally ask. Now, as, as a woman, are, do you ever take that personally? Because I don't know. I've heard. I've well, heard no, girls... it could absolutely be something. I, no, I, I didn't. I didn't take it personally. If I was having like a fat day, I probably would have. But like, I looked good. You know what I mean? Right. Like I was... you, had your, <laughs> you had your shit together. I had my shit together. Now, the ones that work. Um, okay, is there a particular scenario, or is it is it new scenarios every time? Um, I don't. We haven't done a ton of them. Um, I'll try to like change up the outfit or something. Okay. You know, like. Like be in the kitchen with like just an apron or so, you know what I mean? Like it's uh it's uh, the worse the worse the acting the better. So, right. you know, I've tried to do that before and we just ended up really half assing it. There was no tripod. <laughs> I just had a flip camera and about ten seconds in I just put the flip camera on the bed and it's pretty much <laughs> All right, this is this All right, yeah, like I feel like while we I feel like I would be the same way where it's like, okay, hey, trying to make this movie, but then I would just immediately get distracted and just say, ah, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you do you edit the tape? Is there any sort of yeah. editing? Yeah, cuz I mean, Are you, you do serious? things that you, This is like a real Yeah, well, I mean, wow. there's one tape I have edited that like if I don't feel like putting out that night, I'm like just you watch the tape. <laughs> so now is that nice. is there a is And it there, is like a turn, you know, like sometimes I don't know, it's it's kind of a turn on to watch yourself having sex. I'll tell you what I think is hot. When one of Tiger Woods' mistresses comes onto my show and gets in depth with uh, what she found attractive about Tiger Woods, I think you'll be surprised. 
and uh, their whole relationship, as well as we get a couple callers in there. This is Tiger Woods' mistress. I'm not sure what number, but Jocelyn James. What what was the turn on uh, initially? What did you find attractive about him? His sense of humor. Really? He's 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 yeah. he's pretty funny guy. Yeah. Now he doesn't he doesn't strike me as as like a real funny guy. What what kind of jokes does Tiger Woods crack? He just you know he just was really really charismatic. He was funny. He was silly. He had a lot of dirty Johnny jokes. <laughs> so he's he doing really like old dirty Johnny jokes. Yeah, old dirty Johnny jokes. They were freaking hilarious. <laughs> All right, uh, we got a caller here. You want to you want to take this call real quick? Sure. Okay. All right, uh, caller, you're on the air. Oh, yeah, what's going on? This is uh, Jonesy from Valparaiso, Indiana. All right, Jonesy, you're on the Hello. air with uh, Jocelyn James. Hey, what's going on? Oh, man, I've been a huge fan of uh, Miss James for long, long before the whole Tiger Woods thing. I've been, oh, I've been thank a big you, darling. Fan. Yeah, I ballparked it. I've dropped about a quart, quart and a half of spunk to her, you know, internet clips alone. Awesome. <laughs> Do you have yeah, a question? Sure. That's what I always say. I always say my movies save the world one net at a time. <laughs> I popped off bottles. It's fantastic. Hey, I have a two-part question for you, uh, Miss James. Sure. Have you ever, or would you ever, fuck one of your fans? And uh, the second part is, <laughs> if yes, are you planning any trips to Valparaiso? <laughs> and no, I've never had any relations with any of my fans. I've never thought of it. I've never been asked, so... I'm kind of like oh. blushing right now. All right, well, maybe Jonesy, uh, Jonesy, do you know any uh, dirty Johnny jokes? Maybe you can uh, win over Jocelyn here. Um, no. All right, but, so, uh, sorry, Jonesy. <laughs> hang, hang in there. Better luck next time. All right, well, uh, so Jocelyn, so you meet Tiger Woods. He's going. He's he's good at flirting. What kind of crew does Tiger Woods roll with? Does he have an entourage? Is it just him? Yeah, uh, you know, he hangs out with you know other athletes and you know his really close friends and. Well, that's a that's a question I have. Uh, now I know that um, you know Vanity Fair has been talking that he hung out with uh, Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley a lot. Did you ever get to meet uh, other athletes like that? Yeah, I mean, living in Vegas, you meet a lot of everybody. Nice. What was uh, what was Michael Jordan like? Everybody's everybody's just people. It's it's really not you know not that big a deal. I don't think. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. I, I'm I I think I would be freaked out if I met Michael Jordan. So you you uh, now you meet this Tiger Woods. Things are going well. Do you go back to his place that night? How does it work? Yes, I did. He waited for me to get off of work, and I took I went in the car with you know him and his friends back over to the mansion, the MGM mansion. So now his friends, these friends are just colleagues. No, one of his really close friends. Oh, okay. All right. So you guys go back to now. M, where is this? The mansion. The MGM mansion. Okay. So now he takes you back there, and and how does it work from there? He just are you guys drinking? You guys partying? What's going down? No, we you know we ordered some food. We were hanging out, talking, laughing, you know, watching TV. What kind of shows does Tiger Woods like to watch? We Tiger and I always watch sports, so we always watch the Sports Center, ESPN, Fox Sports. All right, now, 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 when he's when he's watching, uh, when he's when Tiger Woods is watching sports, does he ever does he ever trash talk other athletes? Does he ever trash talk other never. golfers? He never, never he never uh, he never said like Phil Mickelson's a pussy, like never said <laughs> yeah, anything we, like we that. Didn't, we didn't talk golf. We never talked about golf. We never watched golf together. Oh, okay, you guys watch other sports. Yeah. Okay, so now, all right, things are going well. You guys are hanging out. Takes you back. How's that? How is that first evening? 
It was good. Is he now? It seems I'm reading over these texts. He seems really concerned with the ability to please you. Did you did you enjoy the entire experience? I always enjoyed having relations with him, be it you know close on or close off. Cool. <laughs> so now, when he takes you back that that first night, how does he does he try to get real wild and crazy? Is it kind of boring? How would you describe the sex with Tiger that first night? No, it was the sex with him was never boring. It was always you know it was always fun. We always had a good time, and then you know over time, you know you know we both grew to have feelings for each other, and it became more passionate and it meant more, you know. So you th- now do you um. In hindsight, do you think that he was kind of faking these feelings, or do you think he did have sincere feelings for you, but, you know, he got caught up in this whole having a wife thing? I think he did have sincere feelings for me, because you, you don't carry on a relationship with somebody for three years and, you know, tell tell somebody you love them all the time and, you know, you know want to see them all the time and just all the other little things that went into our relationship without having feelings and then there's no reason why he would have gotten jealous of you know me doing adult films and you know any guy any other guy you know potentially around me or any you know ex-boyfriend that i possibly you know that i could possibly have being in town in vegas or at you know in any way shape or form he was just insanely jealous of me with any other man that's why i stopped doing adult films so you stopped doing adult films as a way to appease tiger Absolutely, yeah. I've been shot an adult film in over two years. Oh wow. Okay, we got a uh, Jocelyn. We got another call coming in here. Caller, okay. you're on, you're on the air. Yellow. Hello. You're, yeah, you're on the air with Jocelyn uh, James. Oh, oh. Oh. Okay. All right. So I, I just have a question about Tiger Woods or like or with this whole situation. Okay. And um, I I I just want to know like on a scale of one to ten, how good is Tiger Woods in bed? He was a uh, ten and beyond. Whoa. Ten and beyond. And is it true yes, what they say about beyond. black guys and their penis? Um, so not all black guys have huge penises, but he was bigger than adequate. No, stop it. No, I'm being honest. <laughs> all right, well, that's all I want to know. Thank you. <laughs> okay, you have a great day. <laughs> well, Jocelyn James said she was attracted to Tiger Woods because of his sense of humor. And sense of humor is the same reason why I enjoyed this next guest. This is David Keckner of Anchorman fame. He's uh, talking about working with Miley Cyrus. Here's, here's a question you might not get a lot. I saw you recently did an episode of Hannah Montana. Right. What's it like working with Miley Cyrus? I've done two. My, my daughter is eight. Oh. My oldest daughter is eight. So I went down there um, what, a couple years ago. I didn't know what the show was. I knew a person who worked on the show right. and had worked with uh, her husband uh, and on a movie, and he said, hey, if you ever want to go watch it, if your daughter's into it, blah, great. I said, great. Right. So we went down, I, and he said, I called him and said, oh, we'll take tickets to the show. And he goes, oh, you won't believe this. You can't get tickets anymore. <laughs> uh, he said, so you're a working actor. I, I can't even. David my wife works on the show. David can't get a ticket to Miley Cyrus' right. show. Wow. And so I said, he said, but why don't you come on a Thursday? I said, even better. I don't have to sit there for five hours. Yeah, exactly. The kids' show. I'll go down there. So I went down there with my daughter and her friend, met the uh, woman I knew on the show, and I see Miley Cyrus. I don't know who she is. And I'm more like, hey, kid, come here. <laughs> come here, take a picture of my daughter. Let's get the hell out of here. She's a sweetheart. 
she was she is such a professional. She was so kind. She couldn't have been nicer to my daughter. Oh, she that's, stopped. that's cool. I had no idea how much of her time was taken by this kind of stuff. Right. Oh, yeah. Because I just looked like, hey, kid, come on. You know, right, but hey. this, this woman at that point, a woman, child at the time. She's a babe. Complete professional. And she did it and went on. So then the producers came up and said, we've been trying to get you on the show. And I was like, what are you talking about? I said, <laughs> I can't even get booked in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do the show. My little daughter watches Why not? it. Well, you all imagine that Miley Cyrus probably has a pretty weird childhood growing up. This next guy, he had a weird childhood and a weird growing up for totally different reasons. This is comedian Rob Christensen talking about his years growing up as a teenager in Brooklyn, selling fake ecstasy. It's very entertaining and imagine very different from the life Miley Cyrus had. Take a listen. You said you couldn't pass the background check. When yeah. you're telling the stories, you never said anything about getting caught. Did what was yeah. your closest call as far as violence or getting arrested from your years in the the ecstasy game? Uh, it's it's hard to tell these stories without sounding like you're proud of it or showing off. But sure. uh, like I've had guns pulled on me a number of times. Like I have an arch enemy in New York. Really? That yeah, that wants to kill me. Still? Still. Yeah. And then, uh, like, I've, I've been locked up a bunch of times. I got locked up in San Luis Obispo. Now, know. what did you get in trouble for in uh, in New York? Was it just fighting, stuff was, like uh, that? Mostly? Like, so for over the years, they had a file on my graffiti name, and then I had some problems with kids in the neighborhood, and they got arrested for graffiti, and they ratted me out to get themselves out of trouble. And then they started coming and harassing, ringing my mom's doorbell, and I didn't live there. I had my own apartment at the time, but they were harassing my mother, trying to find me. So I ended up turning myself in, and then, yeah. Okay, so a lot of those. Now, sorry, I I kind of glazed over this. You said you had a gun pulled on you, and one of these deals gone bad. I've never had a gun pulled on me. What is your first? You, you did have a gun pulled on you. With oh me. yeah, right. <laughs> by by a police oh, officer. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. I guess I guess it was very fearful. But now, what do you what do you think when you get robbed? With a uh, gun, point blank range. Well, uh, What's ne- your first thought? I never got robbed with a gun, but I had the gun pulled on me out of sheer violence. Like, the person wanted to, to kill me. So, like, obviously you think they're going to kill you. you. You're completely scared. And uh, in one instance, I saw the gun come out, and I just ran. I turned around and ran for my life, literally. And as I was running away, my back started to hurt because my imagination was going so wild. I thought you, I was getting visualized by bullets. Or you think. I, I felt... The burning in my back, and I felt blood drip down my back. Crazy. And but not, and they didn't shoot one shot. Now, after the first gun's drawn at you, what keeps you back in that? Keeps you going back. What keeps? Did you see Hurt Locker? <laughs> no, I didn't. Actually. Every day he draws a gun on himself. Now. Rob has to, he needs that adrenaline rush. Is that what it was? Is that was? No, absolutely not. I didn't like it not one bit. But you're just in the lifestyle, you know. It's uh. Yeah, I was I was a young kid and I was dumb and you get caught up in the lifestyle, you get brainwashed because you're in this crew and they accept you. You know what I'm saying? You're part of something. You go out together, you party together, same girls, same fights. There's always someone that has your back. It's like being in the military or being in the honors society. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I still uh, I don't know if I have any arch enemies left from the uh, from high school yeah. honor society. Well, luckily Rob didn't spend his entire life selling fake ecstasy at raves. He eventually followed his dreams of becoming a comedian and moving out to Los Angeles and eventually taping a Spike TV pilot, and that's where I met him. And uh, it's pretty pretty interesting, the uh, the making of Spike TV's pilot, America's Biggest Asshole, where comedian Rob Christensen and I met. Uh, Rob, I want to welcome you onto the show. I met Rob. Um, let's see, I met Rob. We were shooting a pilot for Spike Television. It was a reality-based show. 
Yeah. Rob, uh, tell us about your experiences on shooting this pilot with me and with a couple other guys. Yeah, uh, it was a pilot. Who, can I say the name of it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it was uh, uh, America's Biggest Asshole. You got it. And uh, apparently they auditioned and interviewed hundreds of comedians. And uh, me and Sean were right at the cream of the crop. We were right up there at the top. As a matter of fact, uh, they had like a double audition interview thing where you came in, you talked to them. Then you had to go home, make a video, and send the video in of you being an asshole in your home. I didn't do the second part. <laughs> I was a big enough asshole in the original interview. <laughs> we don't need a video, buddy. You could just blow us off for the next three months. We're still put you on the show. Or maybe that was the test. Was right. Like, Look at this <laughs> well, I, I was, but I was the asshole who was dumb enough to actually follow the instructions. <laughs> but it, I wish I could have a copy of the video. Just me, like doing a handheld video, panning my car, like yelling at, at you know Germans for making this piece of crap, and then ranting on the guy who sold it to me. I don't, you know, if I get a, if I get my ball of anger going, I can. Really let it loose. I remember, I remember when I was in there auditioning for the oh, asshole man. video. I was going off on the casting director. I'm like, you're laughing at this right now. You're telling me I'm doing a good job, but I can look at, I can look you in the eyes. I know you're a fake piece of shit. I've seen people. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna leave this. I'm gonna leave this office right now, and you're gonna say, oh, great job, and then I'm never gonna hear from you again. And it was awkward when I when I met that's, her again. That's the perfect audition because all you have to do is just be a, a fuck up the whole time. You can yeah. come in, blow it, like push the guy's desk over, and like, <laughs> we got the, we got to get this. We guy. We got this guy. It was funny because this lady, I think she was an asshole as well. There's was, was a lot of assholes in the production, but I remember she, um, she was with her casting assistant, and she kept going, "Are you getting this? Are you getting this?" Because the the girl wasn't writing any notes. And uh, she she was pretty pissed off about her. So yeah, we uh, we auditioned for this pilot, America's Biggest Asshole. Now take uh for people at home, take what's it like shooting a pilot, and what was it like shooting this one? Uh, you know, it was just the easiest 400 bucks ever made in my entire life. I walked out of the audition and I felt like I don't like myself. I had to ham it up so much to be the guy they wanted, and I made up lies about stuff that I did to girlfriends. I felt terrible about myself when I left. Walking out of the place, I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to sell out to Hollywood. This is not going to be the first thing I'm going to do. <laughs> right. They gave me a call three months later. Yeah, you're so ecstatic. Rent's due. You know? <laughs> I'm like, how much is it paying? 250 a day? I'm in. It wasn't even. It was like 200 a day with a bonus or something like that. We got screwed on that. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was like 125 a day. And then they're like, yeah, and you get a $150 bonus. Because yeah. they, they tried to tell us the entire time, like, well, guys, since this is going to be a competition, yeah. we're going to actually make it like a competition. Whoever's the biggest asshole, we're going to give you the money. <laughs> and we, we quickly realized it wasn't, you yeah. know, that's not how it was going to roll out. The whole premise of the show, America's Biggest Asshole, I guess it's a novel concept in that you take two teams and then you do challenges. One where it's, uh, you know, you being the jerk that you, you know, you're yeah. the real asshole. You, that side, and then the other side is like a redemption challenge where, okay, you got to put your asshole ways aside yeah. of you and redeem yourself. It was called hide your hole. <laughs> yes, <exactly. laughs> what were some of the challenges? Like just oh. standing up a girl. Yeah. All right. we uh, the, the first one was to, to be an asshole. They took us down to uh, Flower and Sixth, was it? Downtown. Yeah, downtown. Rush hour, people getting off work. And we had to stand on the street corner and get people to call us an asshole as many times as possible. Hidden camera, vans following us around with cameras. It was it was a real deal uh, production, and we just had to be mean to people. I called cops pigs and said I make more money than you. <laughs> it was that it was dangerous. Yeah, yeah, it does. But you know they they were giving us free food and coffee, and they just like <laughs> they they get you in this van there, and you know uh, 
Greg Giraldo was was like yeah. the host guy, and he's like, yeah, get out there, tell. I was like, yeah, all right, yeah. I was I was all fired up, and it was obvious, I think, that there were a couple plants, cause like you know some people would be walking by, and you could hear like the radio between the producers and stuff. <laughs> it seemed like there were definitely a couple plants because someone would walk by and just be like, you're being an asshole. Cha-ching! It's, yeah, it's asshole meter rating one. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. I've never really felt bad about anything I've done in Hollywood, but I was just going up to people and just yelling stuff like, fuck all you guys. I went up to a uh, albino guy and I was like, what's your deal? Are you albino? And the guy's like, yeah, actually, I am. I was like, oh, man. I'd love to talk go. about it with somebody. <laughs> I felt so bad. I, I wanted to apologize. <laughs> I remember the director, he pulled me aside he's like great great work love the energy uh just tone down the racial stuff we can't use a lot of the racial stuff i was like you yeah. told me to say anything you told yeah. me to be an insane asshole they told they told you to tone down the racial stuff but i was walking up to women who got off work waiting for the bus in business suits and be like how long you been working this corner bitch <laughs> that was good though no racial oh, stuff they love that but keep yeah, yeah keep going on prostitutes yeah that's perfect is so al- is al- al- albinoism a race? I don't think. I don't know, huh. but I, yeah. I was also. But he was a black guy, I, I, so. And that I, was I, even when the cameras. That was when the cameras weren't rolling. Is when they got upset about you just talking to the PAs about. No, no, no. Yeah. That the, the oh yeah the uh, the races yeah, yeah. that was John Green. Uh, no more racist. German PAs, please. Yeah. Uh, thinly veiled. But, but, let me say the, the, one of the, my favorite things of this whole. Uh, production, this whole pilot, is that you think, like, you know what, maybe I'll look like an asshole, but it'll go on TV, I'll take that, and I'll start touring, I'll start right. headlining rooms across the country. And then I asked Greg Geraldo, I'm like, hey, Greg, you know, what do you think about this? And he's like, you know what, man, I've done hundreds of these things. <laughs> hundreds. I've never seen him host a show before, so yeah. he's done hundreds of these failed things. It does seem like comedy. Well, that prank show didn't make it to air, but one prank that did make it to air is when I called my dad up on April Fool's and told him that I had, in fact, gotten some girl pregnant. And this is a few months later where I'm playing the prank once again for my dad and and trying to figure out where exactly his head was when he found out that I had knocked up a chick. April Fool's rolled around, and I, I thought it would be a funny, practical joke to call my dad on air and tell him that I had gotten a chick pregnant. So, if you guys missed this from an earlier broadcast, <laughs> here, uh, the, the best part is my dad's reaction. I was expecting some sort of, like, freak-out moment. You know, that's what you're looking for in a practical joke. You, you want a strong reaction. You want the person to be engaged, like, oh, my God, I can't believe that. This changes everything. Well, listen to how my dad reacts to the news that <laughs> I've just gotten a woman pregnant. What's going on, Dad? How you doing, man? Oh, first off, I for uh, the listeners at home, <laughs> while I was testing, He's this, so happy to hear from you, by the way, right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, while I was while I was testing this clip uh, before we started the show, it really freaked my dad out. Like he was, you know, hearing his own voice on the clip there. I think it, I think it rattled him a little bit. It's like when a dog sees his reflection in a mirror; he can't handle it. <laughs> Well, I uh, I'm I'm doing all right. I know this comes at a weird time. I, I was talking to Ron before, and I I didn't know how to kind of tell you this. Don't don't it's, do it. No, it's don't it's, do it. It's kind of a big announcement, and I feel like I should just tell everyone at once. But I I got some good news for you, Dad. You're gonna be a grandfather. <laughs> really? Yep. <laughs> How'd that happen? <laughs> that's, that's a great question, Dad. How'd that happen? Well, I think I think you know how it happened. I, I'd been seeing this girl, uh, Casey Jacobs. Uh, things were going pretty good, and, I, you know, obviously 
I don't want to call my future son or daughter a mistake, but things happen, and I'm going to take care of it. But I, I just wanted to let you know, and I wanted to let everyone listen to the show, that I'm going to be a father, and you're going to be a grandfather. All right. Before we get into that, I had a question for you. Sure. <laughs> you know how you always call in, and uh, if you call in on WIP, you have to turn your radio down? Yeah. You have to tell people to turn their computers down? Right, yes. I- <laughs> now, Dad, why is that your first question? Wouldn't you have any other questions besides that, perhaps about about you being a new father or a grandfather? I don't know. I just couldn't uh, get my head around what you were saying. <laughs> okay. I, I imagine he didn't want to talk about it on the radio. Yeah, I'm thinking and he was just so. like, uh, let's talk about that later. I'm going to ask you a silly question. <laughs> like, humana, humana, humana. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to put your mom on? Yeah, that's the next thing. Like, right now, you're on mute. If I put this unmuted. Yeah, no, you would get feedback, Dad. Uh, things are going yeah, don't see here. bad that sounds. Speakers, bad. all right. Turn the radio down and listen to me. Okay. So, are you excited to be a grandfather? I don't know. It's make me feel old. I think it's that's to make me feel old. That's a no. Yeah, that's, that's specifically why that happened to try to make you feel old. All right, well, let me. I'll. Uh, you want me to get your mother on the line? Tell her that. Um, He's the one that started to be a grandparent. (laughs) Well, that wasn't the only prank played on the green room. We also had Christopher Coppola on, a.k.a. Nicolas Cage's older brother. And what better way to yank Christopher's chain than to have a caller by the name of Craven Moorhead call in and ask him a a question as if he's Nicolas Cage. I think the best part here is Christopher Coppola honestly tries to answer for his Younger brother, Nicholas Cage. Okay, well, we actually got a, uh, speaking of calls, we actually got a caller right now. Uh, caller, you're in the green room. Hey, how's it going? Oh, uh, good. Uh, hey. what, what's your name and uh, where are you calling from? Uh, this is uh, Craven uh, Moorhead. I'm actually uh, calling from uh, Pennsylvania, and uh, I've got a question for your guest. It's actually a two-part question. Um, they don't my, question is, uh, my question is, uh, what was it like to um, work with uh, John Cusack and... Uh, John Malkovich in uh, Con Air, and um, also at the end of uh, uh, the end of the movie National Treasure, where you're allowed to keep the uh, treasures at the end. And I'll uh, take your uh, comments off the air. Thanks. Well, well, you know, I guess because my voice, you, you think I'm Nicolas Cage, but I'm not. Oh I'm yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. But, we but don't, that's okay. That's we don't okay. have a phone screener. <laughs> no, that's okay. But uh, but I mean, I can tell you. Uh, what my brother uh, liked about those films. Sure, yeah. Uh, Did he get to keep the treasure is the big question. <laughs> well, first of all, Con Air, it was like Hot Wheels, you know. We right. both liked Hot Wheels and when we were kids, and it was kind of cool, and the orange track. And so the whole Con Air thing was like getting in there and, and celebrating our love of Hot Wheels, the coolness of it. Uh, National Treasure, no, there's no treasure. And actually... Uh. Uh, I'm not a I'm personally not a big fan of those movies because you know sure. I'm really into uh, uh, a lot of how what that means in National Treasure and how this country was founded on um, you know Masonic principles and the money isn't used for that and buying a big house or cars it's used for a, a greater concept so. You know, uh, I like that he didn't get the money because you're not supposed <laughs> to get the money. Exactly. Well, these next guys they didn't play so much as a prank. They really had a stunt, and I guess 
The stunt was they decided that they were going to take a bus, park it in the middle of the 101, and rock out. This is the Imperial Stars, the band that decided to park their bus on the 101, created a massive traffic jam, which they claimed was a way to help raise awareness for the 1.5 million homeless children out there. And um, I tried to call them out on their logic, so take a listen. I imagine there are a lot of people that found that insanely aggravating and annoying. The 101 is known for its traffic to begin with, and you guys have your own personal agenda. Um, Obviously, you're you're claiming that you have good intentions with it, but are you worried that you're going to turn people off to your message and to your band by inconveniencing them and by doing such a blatant publicity stuff? No, you know... People that are going to love the music or they're not going to love the music. And there's going to be people who are never listening to the music and say, you guys are a bunch of douchebags for doing that because we sat in traffic for a couple extra hours. And, you know, the, the bottom <laughs> the bottom line is, um, you know, the cause does need to be, you know, people need to be aware of it. And um, so we figured, hey, this is what, this is, we're going we're to raise awareness. Keep, keep in mind there was 1.5 million children that are homeless in the United States. And this was based off of 06 statistics. They haven't done nothing for it, you know? Yeah, it could now, be cured by now. Now, are you right, guys worried right. at all that, that someone might have lost their job because they took a three-hour-long lunch hey, break? Bottom line is this. If you're a suck-ass employee, that was probably the reason. They're just looking for a reason to fire you because if you're a good one, they're not going to fire they you. Told well, you. I think their argument would be, hey, I'm an employee, and that's why my kids aren't homeless. So I, in, in, a, in a way, I'm doing a lot to help kids' homelessness because I, I work for a living, and I take care of my kids, and I feed them and provide them with a home. I think I think that might be their counter-argument. Yeah, that's a decent one. Uh, I kind of like that. I like that. Yeah, you like the idea of someone going to a job and taking care sure. of their kids? That no, seems to be a good, okay. good solution right. to homelessness good. for children. The Imperial Stars weren't the only newsmakers that we had on the green room this year. We also were able to score an interview with the double rainbow guy. And um, this is a double rainbow guy explaining that, no, in fact, he wasn't high when he saw that mythical double rainbow. Just to clarify, you weren't you weren't high at all. No, you weren't, no mushrooms. You weren't, no, I wasn't high. You know, there's another video on, on my YouTube page called Giant Intense Rainbow, and me and my friend had just <laughs> finished smoking a joint for that one. Wait, so I was, was high on that one, but on this one I wasn't. I was by myself, and I was completely sober, and I wasn't having sex. And that, you know, it was in my front door <laughs> when I was hiking. You, wait, and that's a greenhouse. That's bear, a greenhouse in that picture. Bear, be honest. You weren't having sex because there's some heavy panting in there. It sounds no, like. Dude, I was by myself, man. You know, see that people don't know that you can connect to spirit. See, that's the way they think. You know, it's like, oh, that's the only way that you know uh, that you can be passionate. There's lots of ways to be passionate, dude. If that's the only way you, you know how to be passionate, I feel sorry for you. And of course, after hearing that, I wanted to spend more time with the double rainbow guy. So this is me, possibly laying out some future plans to hang out with the double rainbow guy and. He couldn't be more stoked. If I ever go up to Yosemite, uh, maybe I'll drop by. We can hey, listen. I'll to your blow your mind, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my other videos. Look at my other videos. Hungry Bear 9562 on, on so YouTube. so Hollywood already. He's uh, plugging himself. Yeah. 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 Bear, Bear, don't go Hollywood on us, man. I want you to be the down-to-earth, rainbow-loving guy we, we knew. Oh, dude. Speaking of having your mind blown, I was blown away when this next guy decided to call into my show, Greg Fitzsimmons. And he talks about the problems he had securing a, a uh, Ford from the king of all media, Howard Stern, for his upcoming book. Take a listen. And you asked Howard Stern to write your foreword, and then it turned into this whole 
dragged out process where it seemed like at first, you know, as a listener, it seemed like, oh, he was just kind of bitching and moaning like he normally would. Oh, I got to write this forward. And then it turned into kind of a weird thing. Can you can you walk us through that whole uh, process? I can't. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I, I still I still don't know what happened exactly. And and I guess that's. You know, in the theater of the Howard Stern show, there's there's one writer and he's not showing the script to anybody. Yeah. And so you never really know uh, what part of it is a bit in what part of it is Howard working out his neuroses and uh, what part of it is me really having overstepped and and facing the music for it. And the truth is, it's probably some part of all those things. It was two months straight of him going on the air and talking about how I'd put him in a bad position and how he didn't really know me. And, and it was, uh, it was a long two months cause it wasn't <laughs> like he said, uh, um, you know, but, but it's done. He right. kept saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, as a listener, it felt like every time he would come up and he's, Oh, I got to write this thing. It just seemed like him kind of getting into his own head as he often does on the show where he'd be like, Oh, I don't want to go to therapy, but I know I have to do it. It's good for me. It seemed like that's how he was kind of looking at this. Like, oh, I got to do Greg a favor. I like Greg. Don't get me wrong. You know, like it seemed like he wanted to do this. But he, he just was kind of couldn't sit down and actually do it. So I can see on your end where you're where you're still thinking like, oh, OK, he's going to do it. I shouldn't just say stop doing it. <laughs> Were you getting a lot of pressure from your publisher to have Howard turn in this forward? Um, I wouldn't say they gave me pressure. I just think, you know, with publishing, there's a there's a certain point of no return when when they've. You know, when he said he'll do it, and so then they go out to Barnes and Noble and Borders and whoever else, and they start sending out press releases, which go out, you know, a month or two in advance. And one of the things you say on a press release is, you know, who who did the blurbs and who's doing the forward. And so since it had gone out, sort of like, you know, we, we'd thrown our backpack over the wall. And right. so it, it, it put me in a really tough position because there it, it was a certain point where I couldn't really even say you know, you're off the hook because uh, I, first of all, I didn't put him on the hook and I wasn't really sure what the hook was anymore. <laughs> right. right. And so I basically just hung in and uh, let him play it out himself. And uh, when my publisher would ask, I'd, I'd say, <laughs> look, turn your fucking radio on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can I curse on this show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Oh, good. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. So. I, I can't tell you any more than any other listener can tell you right now. And so then it spun into this thing where people were uh, suddenly mad at me for not letting Howard off the hook. And I really couldn't believe they were serious at first. Like, I couldn't believe that adults <laughs> who were listening to How Howard dare Stern, you ask him to do you a small personal favor? How dare you? <laughs> yeah, and this, this, the hard thing for it for me. Me is I did I poured over that note to him for weeks, you right. know, really agonized about how to word it. It was a very vulnerable thing to ask somebody who you think more of, you know, in, in professionally, I, I, there's nobody I think more of than him. And then personally, I, I have a what I thought was a, a, a strong <laughs> connection. And then to have that person. Uh, say no would have been really, really digestible. And I put it in the note to him. There's no pressure. There's no expectations. 
And so when he agreed, I felt like, uh, even though it was immediately resented, I felt mixed and I felt like, uh, wow, I wish I'd never written the note because he said he'd do it, but I didn't want it under the premise that he doesn't want to do it. You know, I was really asking him for personal reasons. And so, uh, it, it was a, you know, people tell me, Hey, that was great promotion. That was great. Publicity. <laughs> I'll tell you right. what, man, yeah, I would give genius. it all back, man. What a year of shows. And I can't wait to get started in 2011. The green room is going places. I'm telling you guys, you green machines stay tuned. It's going to be a great time. We have a lot of big time guests coming up more hilarious Los Angeles comedians. And uh, yeah, it's been a real treat. And next year, or next week, rather, we're going to be doing it live from my buddy Zach's house, aka Finisher's Pub. So you want to tune into that show? It's we're going to get hammered and uh, you know tell some old high school stories that hopefully you guys find relatable and hilarious. And uh, thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. Subscribe on iTunes. Go to shantygreen.com. You know the usual usual means of business. And I'd like to take you guys out instead of Logan's haiku. We're going to step it up one notch. We're going to play the clip of Logan, Ed Greer, and myself, freestyle rapping to close out this best of the green. Logan, kick it off. Oh, I'm kicking it off? Yeah, you, no, you, got, you, your, kick it off, you got your haiku. Yeah, but I wasn't going to use my haiku. This is the easiest beat ever, guys. <laughs> All right. This is fun. We just on the radio. Head's black, and we're really trying to impress him with yeah, the rapping don't, don't, skills. Don't try no to Kick it. All right, we sitting in here in the radio show room, and I don't know what to say, so I'm just going to say boom, because you better believe that my name is Logan, and I'm flowing, and you know when I'm on the mic. I'm going to show you how to do it right. Go, Sean. <laughs> yo, yo, we're doing it live. Oh, man, I ain't talking jive. I'm just spitting hot rhymes all the times. I got my man, Ed Greer, and you better listen here. The man drops jokes. Logan drinks Cokes. Oh, man, he loves <laughs> yeah. soda. Oh, you better know the time that we had here was pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, uh, keeping it real. Log on to Legal Zoom if you know what I feel. Typing <laughs> green so I can oh, get shit. that cash. Oh, advertisers, kiss my ass. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We support you being on the show so I can make some dough and keep this thing afloat in. All right. Oh. Pass it off to Ed. Yo, dough. <laughs> oh, gosh. That was so funny. Uh, uh, check it. Yo, yo. Check the scene, yo. It's Ed Greer on the Sean Green Show. Colder than the frozen waterfall. Y'all can get the balls trying to step to me. I am leprosy, eating off your skin. Motherfuckers understand I'm a Molotov dropping on your chin. Spitting hot shit. Fuckers understand I brought apocalypse. I got this on lock. Yo, local comedy scene. Don't hate me. Don't berate me. Just skate like Gretzky on the snow ski. What the fuck does that mean? I ride Mike's and I tag team hoes by myself because I'm so fat. <laughs> Yo, that was horrible, but I love you guys.